Hello, and welcome back to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah, and I am here with a very special guest to do something that we've been sorely lacking on uh, recently. We're going to talk music, finally, and the man who's going to help me do it, none other than the very, very talented, very special Mr. Sunshine Mayfield joins me once again over the phone. Hey, I'm here. Yes, you are. You are here. That was an un- introduction. It, it, yeah, I called you special a lot. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I was trying to make up for Very that one talented. time that I said I it wasn't a big deal that you were on here. It's always but... a big deal whenever we can get somebody else on mic other than Gavin. Uh, and I think last Gavin time you and I chatted, work. I promised like, oh yeah, Barum's going to be on here. Tim's going to be on here. Nothing. Not not a drop. What are they doing? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I keep reading all of these, or reading and hearing all of these stories about like, oh yeah, I reconnected with like a friend from 10 years ago I hadn't checked in with because of quarantine and you know, just everybody checking in with people. And I'm like, my friends are not doing that at all. (laughs) We're like barely talking to each other. Everybody's just kind of handling it in their own way. I check in maybe like once every two weeks with people, but you and I definitely have the steadiest flow of communication for sure. Saying a lot, man. I'm just because I'm just crushing episodes of Survivor. Out of all the things in all of the like <laughs> Still media Survivor. that is out there that is unwatched by me that I could be watching, mm-hmm. I just have been ripping through seasons of Survivor. Um, and my plan is to is to to go on the show. That's my plan. I'm I'm doing research. Do it. That I'm looking yeah. at. Yeah. Send in yeah, your just intro, trying man. to do my best. You know. Got to figure out the best. way That to would win. be my excuse to watch if somebody I knew was actually going to be on there. That would be crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would be a villain. Okay. Like I would like that would be the role I would try to play. You would just re- recapture the magic of is it Richard Hatch? Is that the first one? Yeah, he, that that guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Eh. Have they brought him back for any of these like other seasons? They um he went back for a second season after the first initial win, but then he he got voted off. But honestly, it was after like some pretty shaky like. He was naked and uh, rubbed his genitals on someone. Oh, I vaguely remember this. Okay, okay. Um, so like, he might be a pretty, pretty poor human. He also like, <laughs> there's a lot of like tax evasion and like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not a big fan of that guy. I don't think that's what I would be going for. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, we we are going to talk music eventually, but while we're here at the top, yeah. Any other TV other than Survivor that you've been working on? Uh, I've been catching up on devs at your request. Finally, slowly but surely. Uh, yeah, we were talking a bit beforehand. You started to tell me your feelings on. You said you're five deep. I'm five deep. How? Uh, I I like it. I okay. like it. I. I um, I'm sitting at like if I'm if I'm rating where I'm at right now, I'm like at an eight. I'm like I'm sitting at an eight, you know. All right. Um, I'm waiting for it all to come to get like it's great. Like it's it's very tonal. Um, it's got my it's got my like NWR lighting cues that I like love oh, so one much. One of the best looking shows in recent memory for sure. Um, oh, it's absolutely gorgeous, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, but there's something like I just I am still not super convinced. Um, that our boy Ron Swanson, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Yes. Um, is set up for this role. Uh, so I, I'm waiting to see. Like, 
See, I dug him from the top, and it only got better as the show went along for me personally. So I don't know if you're gonna like turn a corner on him, but I. Well, and it's not, he's not bad, right? He's not. It's not like you say like, oh, he's bad at this role. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I am latched onto him as like Ron Swanson. Like I, I typically don't have an issue with with actors going out of what they're known for. Um, I'm so I'm still waiting to see. I think his it's maybe more of his character. I'm really waiting to see like you get the motivation at this point for his character. Right. But I'm really waiting to see it like culminate into whatever this, the peak of the season is going to be. Yeah. And I will definitely be curious what you think of how things ultimately unfold. So I guess you have three left. Uh, Maybe next time we check in with you, we'll do a, a full on devs review. I know we're, a little late to the party in terms of the podcast conversation, but, but we always are. I don't know how many people are, are watching so. it, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I it hasn't been a... I, still... I think there was a core like cinematic group of Garland fans who were always going to be hyped about it, and so there was a lot of conversation on that front, but as far as like crossover appeal, I, I don't know. I haven't talked to like an average viewer, quote-unquote, uh, and gotten their take on it, so yeah, I don't know. I, I do wonder if this was the... What Amazon was hoping for with with Too Old to Die Young was like the uh, the watchability of this show, where it's still like relatively brutal. It's still got that air of mystery to it. Um, it's got those weird art house scenes that mm-hmm. you know that we dig um, with like rats and lights and stuff. Um, and I wonder if that's the type of thing Amazon was like hoping for, like with dropping the sci-fi yeah, I, element. Like I think in particular, um, we've, we talked about it a little bit on earlier episodes, but uh zero zero zero, which they released earlier this year felt like a more palatable attempt at a too old to die young ass thing, but it didn't have this, didn't necessarily have the same auteur feel to it from start to finish. Right. This definitely yeah, yeah. is like, this is basically what I want, you know, most of prestige TV to be, which is like Twin Peaks, the return devs too old to die young just give a director like free reign to do their magic basically that's what i would love for all of these projects to be but you know we get one every couple years and and it's great yeah um i watched the first half of hollywood on netflix okay have not dipped my toes in at all uh that's the new ryan murphy it's fine okay yeah it's fine it's yeah yep like it's are you gonna gonna finish like it no i probably won't okay you kidding me? I'm only on season 17 of Survivor. I've got <laughs> I've got up to 40 of course, seasons of that I got to knock out. You and can't who knows how long that. this quarantine's going to last? I got to I got to get it out before. I can't like assume this is going to be a three month process, right? So I got to watch as much as I can. Right. That's um, I, that's what I find myself doing is trying to prioritize. I'm like it, theoretically it could end like any day. They could be like, hey, we need you back at work, but. So I'm like, okay, well, I should watch this before I start this. But, you know, oh, I'll have time for that. But maybe I won't. I don't know. So, yeah. Extreme first world problems there trying to decide my my streaming schedule. Yeah. No, so Hollywood's uh, based off the first four episodes, right? So I can't can't speak to it. I'm not going to say it's bad. It's super watchable. It's super easy to to get behind. Um, It just seems (laughs) – it's going to sound weird. It seems like a Hollywood telling of – historical or historical fiction you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it just seems like it's cleaned up in some ways um or like to made more palatable than than maybe the real types of situations really were surprising Um, coming from ryan murphy you would think it would maybe be more sensationalistic i don't know but i don't know it's just it's like i just nothing is hooking me right so Mm -hmm. um and i part of it is i think the cast is fine 
And yeah, I, w- I was intrigued by the trailer. I, I'm always interested in stuff set in that era, but I, I just, I hadn't heard anybody who was like, no, this is like the new great thing from Netflix. So I, I've yet to check it out, and I, I guess I probably will put that one way on the back burner. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, yeah, you don't need to. Okay. Uh, you're not like you're not gonna do anything that's like needs to be. I know you. I, I don't know how also it's tapped right. out around episode five of Westworld season three, which just wrapped up, uh, and we've had conversations through text. Uh, I I don't necessarily think I can tell you to to go back and finish it because it wasn't exactly a satisfying endpoint. But I was amazed that you know in the same kind of fashion they did with the end of season two, they do some post credit stuff that's presumably table setting for the next season, and I you know. I'm, Part of me is like, oh, they've got me again. But then I'm like, but they've pulled, they've pulled this trick on me twice now. So I, I will begrudgingly probably watch season four. But I, I don't really hate watching anything. But it, it I I might be there with season four of the show. I don't know. What's, we talked about it and not having seen the end credit sequence of this. But seeing the end credit sequence of uh, Outsider, um, mm-hmm. it, it just... Well, I just don't need it all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I just, it doesn't need to be that thing that it is. Uh, and I think it's a fun shtick with Marvel. And I would be totally okay if everybody else stopped doing it. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to be a downer. Like, it's just, it's not what I'm going. But things that are still streaming that you can watch that I love, Newsrooms on HBO, watch that. I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, slowly dippling my way through. Uh, the West Wing for talking about things that are the opposite of East. Um, <laughs> yes. So, you know, instead of watching season three of West World, watch season three of West Wing and you'll likely be uh, find it more enjoyable. You Go know? for so. it, for sure. Uh, I'm also, I guess, I think it's midway through the run of Run, the new HBO show. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. And it has still yet to, like, fully, like, engage me but i'm kind of passively watching it week to week and being like i'm enjoying it but i yeah i i don't see it all of a sudden arriving at some grand conclusion where i'm like oh this was one of the best shows of the year uh but that being said i'm enjoying the performances and it's 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 fairly compelling week to week so yeah that's a a soft recommend for that and then i just finished up a rewatch of eastbound and down that was incredible uh for those who care still working my way through mobile suit gundam uh, the original series, which has been great, uh, and that's that's about it on the TV front for me. And movie-wise, uh, other than stuff that I'm doing for two by two retro reviews with Gav that I can't talk about yet, um, rewatch Slums of Beverly Hills, which is on Hulu. If you haven't seen that movie, and you're a fan of like Russian Doll, for instance, from last year, which we were, I think, kind of across the network. Uh, that's mm-hmm. early performance from Natasha Lyonne, uh, directed by Tamara Jenkins. Really, really fun movie if you've never seen it. Uh, you didn't say Troop Beverly Hills, did you? No, Slums of Beverly Hills. But on that note, I did watch Troop Beverly Hills about two weeks ago because that's one of my girlfriend's favorites, and that movie totally holds up. That, that's, yeah, that's a, very a pleasant fun little watch. Well. Yes, we don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> yeah, uh, lo- lots little, of young jokes. people who went on to big things after that. Interesting young cast. Uh, what else? Oh, last night uh, for possibly like the 50 or 60th time i watched can't hardly wait because it's on netflix and i needed something to throw on i and also rewatched like, that oh hell yeah i was like oh i'll oh. watch for like 45 minutes before i get tired and ended up watching the whole thing because because that's what happens so 
things that totally don't happen at parties. People do not like like just random karaoke with like one boombox and like a mic that and is and set on. to Guns and so Roses. Like, but that moment still like, totally plays for some reason. Um, I had this revelation last night though, where I was like, I would love to talk about that movie, but it's one of those where it's like you'd just be kind of repeating bits from it. But it would be a perfect movie to do a commentary track for. Because I've seen yeah, it a like billion times, there's so much stuff going on yeah. in the background, and like, yeah, it would have to be that kind of experience going through it. And We'd it's have amazing how many track. teen actors, some before their big break and some after their big break, just play bit parts across the board. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, like to have um, Donald Faison before Scrubs, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, that's cool. Um, Jason Segel, like. In the midst of freaks and geeks, but it's not quite right. a thing yeah. yet. Like Melissa it's not Joan a cult Hart, thing definitely yet. after her heyday, or like right in the middle of her heyday, she's playing a bit part. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer Love Hewitt, who has a career after this, but like really, I know what you did last summer. She's a she's a nineties girl. Can't for hardly sure. wait. Yeah. Like that is that is it, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and she, she definitely does some TV stuff. So she's the major role. Um, Seth Green, who's I mean classic all the time right so from airborne to now and then um, i mean who steals the entire movie in that giant ensemble is still lauren ambrose who i think is arguably the best actress in that entire movie and went on to have mm-hmm. probably the most respectable career as an actress a capital a actress if you will um, mm-hmm. yeah eric then, uh, balfour who's the, who's is in there as a stone yeah what who are the dharma and greg who's the dharma uh jenna elfman is that right I don't know. That's why I asked. She was Dharma, right? Yeah, I guess. So she's in it as the like the the stripper. Yes. The angel. Yeah. Again, so it's a yeah. Fun, that's it's a fun the, that would be the entire commentary. If somebody wants us to do that, would just be us pointing out, hey, this person was in that. And this is a funny line. <laughs> Recognize that. And then you know I'm a sucker for off like off the uh, camera lines. So lines when people walk like walk in and off camera someone's like you spilled my drink butthead oh yeah like, there is some great those. adr stuff throughout that movie the whole and the way they sustain the party atmosphere with all the extras they I, it's one of those now i literally just background watch because i know all of like you know i know the core all of the, the movie so i'm just looking for cool interesting shit in the background didn't really find anything in particular last night but it would be a fun rewatch for anybody but like holds up relatively well um i think so yeah there's Not definitely a, a bit of nostalgia at play, but I, I think it is genuinely a very funny movie and manages to be a good mosaic of high school, which I don't think is always captured that well, where it's like it's, you've got all sorts of different little cliques, but like they all feel like actual human beings, even as like over the top as some of it is. Because they merge together, yeah. right? Like there's still people hanging out together, even though they're not necessarily in the same crew of yes, high school. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun little watch. Uh, that's so. pretty much it for me on the on the movie and TV front. So if you want to kick it over yeah. and start talking some tunes, we can uh, we can take the music arc out for the first time in a long time. Open that box, Noah. Open it. Yeah. Let's see what we got. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I know the main reason you wanted to do this. We, we got to talk about the new O Brother record that just dropped. Uh, we as, have to as we're recording just this. Dive into it. Absolutely. Yes. As we are recording this, it is not uh, publicly available on streaming sites like Spotify, etc. Tomorrow, uh, it will be out on Friday. Probably when you're probably hearing this episode, maybe a day or two later, because it's going to take me a bit to edit the uh, the tunes into this one. 
But uh, so it should be available on your streaming platforms. But seriously, go to Bandcamp where most of us did uh, last Friday and give them some money because they're self-releasing it. They have some gorgeous vinyls available. They're on their third pressing right now, which is incredible. They've already sold out of their first two. I think the third one's probably sold out by now as well. They were the number one uh, band in vinyl sales on Bandcamp on May the 1st, which was a big sale day where they waived all the fees. Uh, That was incredible to see. And they were the number two artist overall. So just so exciting for us. We've been fans of them for a very long time. And I I couldn't resist. I, I literally threw down for a bundle at midnight i got my digital download code i've got a vinyl in the mail a poster a t-shirt etc uh and i'm I'm glad i pulled the trigger on it before i even listened to the record literally based on the single and the fact that i already love them but i i i was completely floored by this and immediately listened to it again the second it was over uh walk me through your experience with it the, the first time. And did you listen to both so, singles beforehand or just Killing I Spree? did, I did. So I, li- I listened to Killing Spree and I listened to Halogen Eye. Um, See, I had not listened to Halogen Eye until the album. Uh, all right. If that's even relevant. But yeah, go ahead. So I, w- I would argue that Halogen Eye, if we're talking singles, Halogen Eye was the, fir- like the true single. And I think that that's what they initially thought they were going to release with. But I think they thought Killing Spree was more... Um, relative to what was going on a month mm-hmm. ago as we were all kind of all entering lockdown right. um, or just on the verge of coming out of it, I guess. Or yeah. You know what I mean? Like kind of that first week or two. Yeah. So they put out killing spree outside of the album. I was like, this is super interesting. Not really the vibe I thought they were going with, but I'm digging it, but I'm very intrigued. Um, here, Halogen and I, and I go, all right, that's a little bit more of what I was expecting to hear. Right. Enjoy both songs immensely. Then hearing everything within the, uh, the, the day the album came out, I bought it. Um, when I woke up that morning, I had to be at work at um, 5.45, so I woke up at 4.45 to get ready. First thing I did was roll over and buy the album, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and then shower, did all that stuff, went to work for a full day, and then after work I got off at like 1, listened to it the whole way through twice. Um, and I did that uh, because it's really good. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, um, I think yeah. collectively, if we had to make like a site pick for album of the year right now, that's the album to beat, so to speak. Uh, oh, for sure. In terms of a collective choice, and it's it's definitely right up there for possibly my number one as well. We'll talk about the other contender in a little bit. Uh, but speaking of those two singles i i think they are definitely a statement of purpose which some singles are they're reflective of the album you're ultimately going to get and sometimes it seems very scattershot like what what becomes a single off of a record but to open with killing spree as kind of like this is this is the vibe we want to lay on people initially i think keys you in that it's going to be a little bit it it's an extremely dynamic record, but in a way that I didn't necessarily expect from them, which is most of the early records, Garden Window included, it's a lot of quiet, loud, quiet, loud. You're the waiting for the build and particularly like Tanner's vocals. He kind of takes you through his entire range in a given song. And I was amazed at the amount of restraint on this record to like kind of the confidence in like, oh, I like staying in this mode but like carrying through the entire emotion of the song, but like staying, you know, in this register, if you will. And so instead of 
these broad sweeping everything has peaks and valleys to it I felt like you're getting more of a cohesive feel to the album because you have some songs that just like will knock you on the floor and then other ones that are very contemplative and a little more thoughtful and melodic and a little more easygoing than you would necessarily expect almost where you're waiting for like okay when's it gonna get loud and it you know there's a build but it never quite does that jarring quiet loud thing that you maybe think is but maybe a little played out at this point as far as alt-rock bands go. It's it's a little more like we can see it coming, and it can be satisfying to a certain extent, but I, I was really struck by the flow of the album from Quiet Loud as opposed to individual tracks, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, absolutely. Totally does. And um, also, you might have to mark right here just because uh, Ben just came back into the house, and so there's some there might be some noise you pick up. Oh, no worries. Um, yeah, so. What's up, Ben? He says what's up. Thanks for that B&B <laughs> Mini. Appreciate it. He also it. says thank you for the B&B Mini. He says great. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so just in case you hear anything, you might have to finagle some stuff. No worries at all. It'll be a nice little cameo. Uh, yeah, no, but, but the whole album itself is just unbearably cohesive. Unbearably is not the right word. Uh, it's uh, remarkably cohesive. Remarkably cohesive. Yes. Um, thank you. <laughs> it uh, the way that it flows from track to track, the way that it builds over time and, and gives you those heavy hits at the end, but it it also gives you a little taste throughout. Like there's different songs, um, that allow you to kind of get that that part where it just like kind of you know those moments in concerts where you feel like your heart like pounding because mm-hmm. of the bass or the um, very similar moments in this album where you just get those those heavy hits like um, that uh, it drops the hammer and locust for for a second in there halfway through. Yeah, that stretch um, where it I really love really gets going. Um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to pull up my Bandcamp app so I can actually get a track listing because of course it's not on Spotify today. Um, you gotta do your research prior, man. I, I've got notes. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got some notes, but that stretch, Halage and I again having not heard it, and it being kind of the the traditional what you would maybe expect from them, but still amped up a notch, and mm-hmm. notably because you've got uh, Mr. Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro, who also just put out a new record. Tethered and torn, you give me synergy. The visceral, the They did, and they did this on Garden Window, the the kind of moments of guest vocals here and there, which was a surprise initially when I heard it because I had been seeing them live in concert for two or three years prior, and you know, occasionally somebody would get up there and like they rock out on something together, but you very rarely heard other voices paired with Tanners, and that was the first time where I was like, this is incredible, this is amazing. So I'm glad to see that carried through. Um, but Halogen and I totally like kind of jump started it for me. 
which Soma Soma's great as well, but how did I into slipping is where I'm like, oh, oh my God, what what are they doing to me? Slipping, probably at this moment, favorite track, and it's followed up by Locust, which would be my second favorite at the moment. Oh man, I don't. So the first, I think the first, man, I think the first nine tracks <laughs> are just it. It's that is flawless on on itself. Um, yes, spill on the carpet is probably my least favorite track on the album. Um, but you need you pulses. need a little breather. Yeah, I think before um, leave me out, which is really nice. Uh, so that's my like that would be my complaint. <laughs> it's not a bad song. It's just kind of like not as good as the others. Um, and but, I think I think what know, you're it, saying it though still is works yeah, really well in this album. What we've lost as kind of the culmination of that stretch though, um, what we lost immediately is like an all timer for them. Where I'm like, it's not the traditional closer, but I could see this being a closer of sets in the future. Like if oh, they're yeah. not playing this sequentially. Um, and then I, I love the, you know, beginning with you and I and outroing with it. So probably we'll, we'll open the episode with some of them, but, uh, I definitely want to play slipping at some point. Cause I think that's, a just the dynamics of the production. We should mention it's Andy Hole and Robert McDowell from Manchester, uh, of course. And, and Gobatron. Yes, of course. And, uh, <laughs> what's the, oh, bad books. Of course. That's two thirds of bad yeah. books right there. Oh, and of course, yes, the additional vocals on Slipping from Jesse Kopenbarger, Bagger, Barker, of Color Revolt. And uh, mm-hmm. he's in a band called El Obo as well right now. So, I th- I, yeah, let's Man, take a I listen the to... First moment, Go ahead. The first moment for me where I, this album really comes to where it goes is that first chorus uh, for Soma, Sama, Soma. I'm going to say Soma. Soma. Uh, but that first like little rise into the into the chorus... Uh, I think this is where I'm like, it just, it really vibes for me at that moment.
play into halogen eye, which is that heavy, and I think exactly what you said was slipping. Slipping is, God, it's good. I love that devil in your bed. Like, mm-hmm. it's just very creepy. But there's like, a lot of a lot of more industrial feel to particularly the percussion. I hear a lot of like '90s era Nine Inch Nails in here, and yeah. Just, this may sound a little weird, but I hear a lot of Bjork as well. Especially, well, it's, 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 you get a lot of this like it's almost self-deprecating in moments, right? Like if you're looking at the lyrics of this, like there's these "I want" songs, like "I want to be the person you want me to type," like "You want me to be," and I want to go back to this place where we were, and I also realize that like you're right, and I like it like trudges along, and it almost feels incredibly personal, not knowing Tanner at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like uh, lyrics that that are really kind of just showing the up and down of personal relationships and shame and the need to um, be the best version of yourself, but also are you letting other people down and um, the anxiety that kind of comes with that. And you feel that throughout the entirety of the music. Um and you feel the moments of hope. And I think that it feels like a very human experience as you kind of go through this album from start to finish. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about it is it really is this kind of like rise and fall, ebb and flow of feelings and emotions that really define the human experience, which I think is beautiful. And so I, I think, think that's what helps this be- album work so well. Absolutely. I think that's beautifully put, sir. It's it's maybe a little early to call it. I, I think I'm very comfortable saying that I think this is the most accomplished record they've put out to date. I think the production's on another level. The emotional core that you mentioned ha- that has always been there is still ever-present. But uh, I, I still personally, of course, give the slight edge to Garden Window. That will always, That's like an all-timer for me. But I Which think I, to me because I give I give the slight edge to endless light. Yes. Uh, so and this and this um, will be the endless debate about O Brothers catalog. Yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah and then I'm track, sure there's man. some people that are ride or die for disillusion, which I think is a great album as well. But if we're if we're ranking them, uh, that I of course I'm always going to be attached to Garden Window. But this I well, it's funny too. It's the I same, was it's the so same way when you call like Looper Ryan Johnson's worst film, right? Yes, like it's it, it's <laughs> definitely that sort of conversation for sure. Where it's like, yeah, Looper's Ryan Johnson's worst film, and it's still an eight out of ten, right? So like that's that's kind of how I feel about O Brothers catalog. It's like you can rank one worst uh, or best, and yet they're all great. So for sure, uh, how do you really define? It? <laughs> yeah, so. I, I look forward to potentially as as early as like fall of this year or winter, hopefully getting to see some of these songs live. Uh, so I got to see Halogen and I live back. in When October. did you last catch them? Yeah, it's been a while since I've caught an O Brother show. Unfortunately, so they did their uh, their headlining tour when they did uh, what was their first EP? Why is it I'm Death of Day? Death of Day. They did their Death of Day anniversary tour. That's headlined. right. Yep. Um, and they were with to the end of the ocean a couple other crews um but it was they did a great show but they played halogen eye but when you're like in context or outside of the context you're kind of like uh, yeah this sounds great i can't wait to hear it inside of the album and see what's and now i'm like oh i should have paid more attention to halogen <laughs> when they played it the first time yeah um but yeah they, they were phenomenal then they still are and hopefully they get to get to tour soon and hopefully we get to go see concerts 
yes. soon when it is safe to do so. Alrighty. Uh, anything else you want to particularly share about your experience with you and I? Again, we're I think we're both continuing to listen to it, and like I'm I'm only enjoying it more and more as I go through. But I was immediately holy shit. This is a ten out of ten upon my first listen. So uh, yeah, yeah. And it that has not changed. It rewards the re-listen definitely for sure. Um, the more you dig into it, the more. Um, the more you can just kind of sit with it, the better and better it gets. And Great headphone um, record, but also a great car record to just throw absolutely. on for a drive. There's um, a lot when you listen to it on headphones that you're able to kind of pick up. Definitely. I mean, I think that's what's fun. You just got little moments of like little high-pitched guitar riffs that just kind of float on top of songs kind of hidden in the production of it but like when you hear it you're like it just adds another layer Mm -hmm. i think when you get all those like ambient and vocals that kind of come on top of it again uh by themselves it's just kind of it seems very simplistic um but when you add all of them together it just creates this absolute symphony that's just uh, a pleasure to listen to for sure uh so we'll, we'll try and highlight definitely like two or three in the midst of there uh but yeah, I, I guess we can transition if you want to. I've got a few other albums worth shouting out, and then I thought we could kind of talk about the state of online music and just like the cool things that have been happening, live streams, etc., that people have been putting together that you can go check out. So I mentioned this is like neck and neck for my number one of the year so far. For me personally, I know you didn't feel as strongly. The other album that's right up there right now that I can't stop listening to is Fetch the Bolt Cutters from Fiona Fetch Apple. the Bolt Cutters. Yes. Yes, that was a, that was solid. You want to sing the yeah. rest of it? <laughs> no, I don't know the rest of it. That's the only, like, gotcha. that's the only uh, thing I remember from it. Um, obviously, it's been praised to no end by pretty much every major musical outlet. I've actually now started to see not what I would consider backlash, but I saw a very interesting long form article. I think it was on a site called Long Reads. Uh, I don't have the author's name in front of me at the moment, but it was essentially like, is there a problem with me if I am not like in love with the new Fiona Apple? Like, what am I not getting that everybody else is responding to so heavily? And like kind of an investigation of why they didn't feel strongly and then why they felt that it was even a big deal that they didn't love it as much as everybody else. Great, funny piece. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, nice. I'll link to that in the show notes. definitely a nice way to kind of approach it, right? Um, yes. Because there definitely are albums out there if you're like, yeah, I didn't vibe with it. And people are like, what the hell's the matter with you, man? And anytime something is like, I mean, it had universal acclaim before I ever pressed play on it for the first time. I think last time I looked at it, it has a 100 on Metacritic, which is absurd. So you, you, then you go into something like that with one of two kind of listening modes. I feel like you're either actively going into it going like, all right, prove to me this is a 10 out of 10. Like, and you have your guard up the whole time. You're waiting for Mm -hmm. it to give you reasons to not think that it's as great as everybody else does. Or you go into it and you're like, well, everybody says this is great, so of course this is great. And maybe you you gloss over things that you maybe butt up against because you're like, well, everybody else loves it, so it must, it must be brilliant, right? Uh, you you told me you were pretty much at like a seven on this one, which I, I'm not going to sit there and argue with you to the end of time that like you're wrong because that's completely... <laughs> that's stupid. That's a, that's a dumb argument to have because that was your reaction to it. Um I personally, again, leveling all of that in my head where I was like, okay, yeah, everybody loves it, but do I genuinely think this is like the best album of the year? And I I do at this point. I, I've been what I would call a mild fan of her for a while. You and I talked a bit about it. I love her first two records, and then I kind of 
not through no fault of my own, I didn't really like actively stop paying attention to her, but I just, she's not an artist I pick up and listen to all the time. In her career path, I feel like if I'm remembering correctly, and this is all trying to be off the top of my head and like what I feel like I remember seeing on VH1 is, is uh, when they did like behind the music type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. was they really tried to turn her into this like Mandy Moore, Britney Spears kind of sex symbol, which I feel was never really her style or spoke to her, the art that she was making. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's why it kind of like she fell off. I feel like there's um, a bit of that and just the, the trappings of fame, et cetera. And the, of course there's the famous awards. I forget what award show it was, but the whole, this world is bullshit thing, which in retrospect makes a lot more sense. Like the, the context of what she was saying that like, we put way too much stock in award shows, et cetera. Who, who is anybody to tell somebody your art is better than, than this art, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. That's not that's not how it came off though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the time, guess, everybody right, was like, like, "Hey, stop complaining! Like you're rich and famous. Like shut the fuck up, basically." Um, and and now, yeah, when you go back, it definitely plays very differently. But uh, she had been on a little bit of a self-imposed hiatus for a bit, and then there was also the mythic quality of this, in the same way that you get with like the first Bon Iver record or something, where it's like, "Oh yeah, she made most of this in her house," and like the percussions, like her banging on the walls and like her dogs are in it at different points as like percussive elements there's just all all of that stuff all of the the peripheral stuff you hear around it and so i'm primed for like what the hell is this gonna be and then at the end of the day as with all of her music the lyrics are what win the day for me she's an incredible songwriter and her vocal delivery is i mean experimental in and of itself She's one of those people I put into like the Joanna Newsom category of I'm like, nobody quite sounds like that. There are roots in the blues and stuff, but she has gone so far beyond that in terms of like where she can take her voice and the different styles she can do within like a given song. And some of that may come off as a little like showy or too experimental for some people, but just start to finish, I was engaged with it. And then when you like the lyrics are very present they're very in your face but even the deeper layers of going back and re-listening a couple times i was like there's heavy shit in here but it never loses this kind of like momentum throughout the entire record for me personally so yeah i think for me that it was i didn't really have issues with the album except for the fact that it just didn't hit me i think the way that i wanted it to Mm -hmm. um i i for me i wanted more hooks scattered throughout yes completely um, devoid always, of hooks yeah i really love the vibe that a lot of the uh the song structures have and and the um you kind of already said that the jazzy bluesy roots that majority of the songs on the album kind of bring to the table and mm-hmm. i always wanted that like all right give me a hook a bridge something that like can sink into my brain and yeah. it never comes which is and fine see- it's, it's, it's like, so because like i said it's not bad by any means there's no bad song right all of this is great and i think it, it definitely you get um kind of her life experience and frustration with things kind of comes out through it and her kind of breaking the chain right and so yeah a um, lot of a lot of really again tough and heavy material some directly about her some about friends and things she's experienced peripherally but i again i felt like it never it never all of a sudden felt like oh my god this is like crushingly depressing or like it just right. it always yeah. has this this lilt to it at the whole time um something i want to 
you know, I agree, no hooks at all. But for me, there's some of these vocal runs that just are so impressive that, like, that's the thing you want to learn or latch onto or sing along with. Uh, in that vein, I want to play. Uh, I want to play a little bit of "For Her." I think mm-hmm. incredibly impressive, uh, and we can just play the first little chunk here. Let people get a feel for it. And this is definitely uh, all of a sudden. This is almost like a power pop song for a second, but it has different segments to it as well. You can never quite pin down like where she's gonna go on this. So uh, check out "For Her." Look at how feathered his cocks are, see how seamless his frocks are. Look at his paper being low without rocks are. Look at how long she walks and how far was she lost or maybe she was not for traveling in the stock car anymore. Maybe she spent her formative years dealing with his contentious fears and endless tears that are endless tears. Or maybe she just got tired of watching him sniff white off a starless breast, treating his wife like less than a guest, getting his girl to clean up his mess, never showing weakness unless it's war season. Season of the ward, she's trying to cut the cord. She's tired of planting her knees on the cold, hard floor of facts. Trying to act like the other girl acts. And your strike may have been exact, but you know that you never really go to the mat. You tie everything up ready in the second act. When you know that it didn't go exactly like that, you arrive and drive by like a soft up bat. Like you know you should know, but you don't know where it's at. Like you know you should know, but you don't know where it's at. Like you know you should know, but you don't know where it's at. You arrive and drive by like a soft up bat. Like you know you should know. That's that's definitely a highlight for me personally, but uh, the again, I I endorse the whole thing, but particularly the stretch of relay, which is uh, the fifth track on the album, pretty much through the end. I I've listened to that like once a day since it came out. Uh, I'm really digging it currently. It is my number one. Oh brother is right there next to it, uh, and I'm listening to both of them all the time. So we'll see which one ends up ends up on top at the end of the year and who knows maybe we'll have a slew of like brand new records to talk about in the coming months but we'll, we'll see what happens yeah um not to go too deep into other albums that i've been listening to but uh things that i would just highlight and tell you to go listen to um uh printer's devil from rat boys is a pretty solid outing from this year that came out in late february mm-hmm. um fun little track on that is alien with a sleep mask on track to that but it's a that that's a fun record um and then uh brain pain uh by four years strong and that's more of a i love four years strong and that style of music a whole lot so this definitely plays to my you know crowd chants and uh 
upbeat riffs and things like that. So that's a, mm-hmm. but that's a fun album as well. If you're kind of into that post-punk, uh, beard core, I don't know what to tell like. give people a little taste of those on here and they can decide for themselves uh one i want to shout out that i i know you're in the midst of making your way through i don't know if you're going to finish it or not but the latest man man record uh dream hunting in the valley of the in-between uh which has been like seven years in the making in my personal opinion totally worth the wait i think it's their best since on oni pond they're a, a great band if you are a fan of Modest Mouse, or more particularly Ugly Casanova, the kind of darker, weirder Modest Mouse side project. Um, if you're a fan of Frank Zappa at all, I this is the the band for you. You probably are already aware of them uh, baby, if you're into any of that sort of snakes. stuff. But uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. I'm I'm gonna play a little bit of On the Mend for people to check out right now. fourth single off of it but uh just a massive album it's uh, 17 tracks and then i think you got a radio edit of one of the singles on there so 18 tracks and just uh for me personally an incredible listen start to finish the the range of influences as always with those guys is is pretty incredible and uh lead singer he goes by honus honus in the band ryan ketter i believe is his real name but uh he he's never been better in my personal opinion super fun album great bike riding album i always shout that out because i have certain albums that are go-to's for me whenever i'm riding my bike and that is now one of them so 
Uh, that's Man Man, and that's Dream Hunting in the Valley of the In-Between. Great title, great cover as well. Go check it out. Uh, it is definitely an interesting cover, for sure. Yes. Um, New Pearl Jam? I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't like, oh my god, this is the second coming or anything, but I was glad to see them back and, and doing some stuff that I enjoyed. Uh particularly the single Dance of the Clairvoyance, I think. I I was kind of hoping the whole album was going to be that vibe, and it's really not, uh, but but I still like some other things on there. But that's worth checking out. Uh, Gigaton from Pearl Jam. Uh, what else? The the new Strokes, it, it sounds like the Strokes. So if you like that, maybe it was worth the wait for you as well. I, I thought it was all right. It was a good, good record. Uh that, that's pretty much it on the album front, but I do have a, a handful of awesome things to shout out for our listeners to go check out online, and I will definitely drop links to whatever I can of these uh, in the show notes, so definitely make sure to check there. Uh, and, any other albums you wanted to shout out before we move along? No, no, I think those were uh, uh, Printer's Devil by Rap Boys and Brain Pain by uh, Four Year Strong were the two big for ones sure. that are worth, uh, worth checking out. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so I've got... I got a handful here to mention. I don't know what your if you've had any experiences with like, oh, these artists have been releasing stuff. I went and checked out this live stream, or I went and checked it out on YouTube a little later. But there's been a lot of cool stuff going on. the The more high profile ones, Radiohead has been putting out concerts. I think every week since the pandemic started, uh, like professionally shot classic shows from them that haven't been readily available anywhere else prior. Uh, so they opened with a, a show from 2000, like right after Kid A came out. Uh, there's been some stuff from the 2016 era around Moonshape Pool. But the real crown jewel thus far actually just came out, and that is their 2006 Bonnaroo set, which uh, most hardcore fans are like, this is one of the best live sets they've ever played. I actually watched a bootleg of it years ago, uh, which was fantastic. But notably, on this upload from them, it has the original desk audio from that night. So it is essentially like the best quality audio that's ever been provided for that show. Uh, Johnny Greenwood, in particular, says that that's his favorite American festival show he has ever played. He said it was pretty much transcendent for them. So uh, I highly recommend that one. But again, they're, they're keeping you entertained. They've got like a new one every week, essentially. Uh, on that front, Aphex Twin has released one of his classic concerts from, I think it's just a handful of years ago, but uh, it's a great outdoor festival gig. It's about an hour and a half long and has some of the most insane visuals I have ever seen at a live show that I was not, unfortunately, able to attend myself. So if you're if you're into Aphex Twin at all, or if you just, you can put it on mute if you're not a fan of his music and just watch some of the craziest visuals you'll ever see. Uh, all of those are available on YouTube as well. Uh, band I've mentioned uh, on our albums of the decade list and i've brought them up a couple other times band called idols who i adore uh they have a live album uh from the bataclan or le bataclan in paris uh that they released i believe it came out end of last year but the live footage from that had not been available until the last couple weeks they broke it up over individual parts released over the course of the week and now you can go watch the entire thing it is an incredible uh setup they have like what feels like upwards of like 50 cameras shooting the band and the crowd and incredibly dynamic show and a great gateway into them. This is kind of them at the peak of their powers off of, uh, joy as an act of resistance, their most recent record. They're in prime touring form and just, they absolutely kill it. The entire set's incredible. Go check that out. 
Um, I'll have, again, check the show notes if you want links to any of these. Okay. Our good, our, I don't know. I consider him a, a good buddy, even though I don't know the man personally at all. Uh, I got mistaken for him once, which is still, a, you know, something that lingers in my brain. You remember Mr. Brian Fallon from a band called the Gaslight Anthem? Oh, yes. I yes. do. Yeah. Uh, that guy, uh, amazing songwriter in his own right, he has been doing a cool little show called Sitting Around the House, uh, which he live streams on Instagram Live, but you can go catch most of them that have already occurred on YouTube. But he's had different songwriter friends and just people he's fans of calling in, they video chat, talk about their songwriting process, and then they play stuff back and forth acoustically for each other. And it's awesome. The most recent episode featured Mr. Andy Hull of Manchester Orchestra. That one just dropped yesterday. But uh, you might want to go check this one out because I thoroughly enjoyed it. Watched it yesterday. He did one with Mr. Stefan Babcock from Pup. You know I love Pup. And it was only the second time ever that Stefan said he had played acoustically ever. And it was on a live stream on Instagram for this thing. So, uh, yeah, go check those out. Uh, He's done like seven or eight of them so far. But they're super fun. Uh, he has a new album himself out uh, called Local Honey. Maybe we'll take a listen to something off of Local Honey right here. I don't know what I'm going to play, but uh, this is uh, from the latest record. This is Brian Fallon, formerly of the Gaslight Anthem, now a solo artist. And the album, again, is Local Honey. Go check that one out. All right. Uh, so, yeah, stay tuned to his Instagram because it seems like he's going to have even more awesome people coming on in the future. And I think they're doing those like once a week. And the last thing I want to shout out, uh, recently there was a, a basically a three-day online festival called Love from Philly with a bunch of Philadelphia-based uh, artists coming together to raise money for different stuff going on inside the state. I think partly to support musicians who are out of work, but also just service industry, et cetera, people who, bars that they would have normally played at, et cetera. So there's a bunch of awesome bands on there. The aforementioned Man Man played a set. I haven't been able to get my hands on that one yet. They closed out the night and I missed it when it was airing live. Nobody's reposted it yet, but you can go watch one of my favorite bands, the band who gave me my favorite album of the decade, The War on Drugs, one of the biggest Philly bands, uh, in the consciousness right now uh they play they are all in six different cities right now they did a zoom chat and i don't even i can't imagine the technical difficulty that goes into getting everybody in the same tempo and like synchronizing all of that across an internet feed and again six different cities but it's incredible and they only play two songs but it's great they were you know they were just cutting across the state basically to a bunch of different bands who were in different locations but it's only two songs, both from the most recent record. It's incredible, though, to see like how good it sounds with them all playing in six different states. It's nuts, dude. So that's uh, the Love From Philly set from uh, War on Drugs. Kurt Vile was on there as well. Uh, a couple other big names. So check, check out those set lists. They're available on YouTube, as all of this is. Okay. That was a whole lot, Noah. I feel like I have to one-up you. Well, uh, yeah, I'm just... It's well, been... Well, well, everyone, if you go to YouTube, they have music videos on <laughs> YouTube and you can watch them and uh, it turns out almost every band's mu- every music video they've ever done is on YouTube so this is true <laughs> 
Take there that, you go. Noah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just I feel like it's been a topic of conversation for a lot of people. Like, okay, what are the best like live stream th- cool things going on? And I was, it's almost gotten to the point where I'm like, that stuff is over. What you know, it used to feel like, oh, it's hard enough to keep up with like what's coming out week to week. You check out the new, new releases on Spotify. On Tuesday, you see what's new to rent or stream, on Prime for movies, etc. Always trying to keep up with the endless amount of streaming shows, etc. But now that we're all in quarantine, it's like people have like, oh well, I have this new show that's for the span of quarantine. We'll see how long it goes. And dude, I'm five doing months a- from now, the we're gonna, I mean, it's going to be the new renaissance, right? Like, yeah, dude. Um, I mean, we I didn't mention him, but like Ben Gibbard from Death Cab has been doing daily live streams since this started. He plays a live set for at least an hour every single day. I think maybe he I mean, takes weekends off, but that's nuts. Oh, to brother me. themselves have been playing virtual shows. Like Tanner's just been doing acoustic stuff, or mm-hmm. uh, not acoustic, but like. Yeah, we didn't shout that out. I think that is rebroadcast on YouTube as well. But uh, Tanner played solo, I believe, on the eve of the release of You and I. Mm-hmm. So go check that out. I'll again any of these that I can readily find for people. Some of them play better on your phone. Like I recommend actually checking out if you go to Brian Fallon's Instagram. You can go back to the post from those, and then I think Instagram TV will let you watch pretty much all of those as they occurred. If you watch right. them on YouTube, they're shrunk down a little bit. Audio quality still fine, but I, I recommend actually watching those on Instagram when you're just hanging out on your phone. Um, yeah, it is probably worth highlighting that for all of these bands, I mean, you're talking about people who make their money for the most part touring, right? Like merch yeah. sales and touring is, is how these people make a living because you are not getting money from the streams. Um, we even posted like a little joke on Twitter that was like, yeah, just run your fit, like the shortest song from your artist in the background with no volume on repeat all day when you're working. So right. just to give them like plays. But I mean, you're literally talking, I think like each stream is like, we're talking a, like cents like, on the dollar. I'm a, pretty sure not even each stream. I think is like a fraction of a, a fraction of a dollar. penny sort so of thing. Like, yeah. It's, so it's not a good breakdown. Honestly, sure. I think it I think it takes like 20 streams to equal like a cent. It's ridiculous. And mm-hmm. so um, so you really do have to uh, go buy their merch. Uh, like, exactly. Yeah. A lot a, of these bands go support them in like new shirts and stuff like that so that they can support their crews and stuff that they went touring with. And so, yeah, go buy the merch. Um, yeah. Go on their the websites directly. That. But also Bandcamp has been a great resource for all of those artists right now because I believe it's. I think overall there's a reduced rate of like the cut they take off the top for basically the entirety of the pandemic, but specifically Correct, I think yeah. it's the first of every month they waive all of their fees. So literally any dollar amount that you spend on a band, that all 100% of that goes directly into their pocket. There's no in-between, there's no little bit that gets taken off, um, they're getting 100% of whatever you're giving them. So stay, stay tuned for those, you know, if there's something you were waiting to get, maybe hold off until the first of the month on that so you can give them as much as possible at one time basically um but again Bandcamp has been great about assisting the artist so i I don't it's also good to support them because they are supporting all these people so yeah just just buy stuff but i i can highly recommend that i've done that with a handful of artists since all this started and some of them you'll actually get like personal responses from which is very cool so uh yeah check check that out yeah go buy merch um, yes, go support go, all of the artists we played here. Uh, check out all the links in the show notes. Go go find some cool stuff. And if you 
have what have you been enjoying on the music front albums or you know stuff basically music on the internet at the moment uh let us know the archive at gmail.com uh we'll definitely do another music centric episode coming up soon of course uh gavin blanchard and i will be back with uh more two by two retro reviews and eventually you know if we if we get a new movie that's worth talking about uh I, I guess the next one slated is King of Staten Island, the Judd Apatow, Pete Davidson movie. Yeah, come June twelfth. I think that's the next big like one that we probably would have talked about, and we'll now talk about. I'm telling you, yeah. Bad Boys Three is going to win Best Picture. I I'm rooting for it, rooting for it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Wendy also, for I wanna, everything. I want to highlight you as we talked Radiohead earlier. I think this is a fun little anecdote. So I've been running trivia with my uh, a group of my friends, mm-hmm. and so I did an album covers round. You know, nothing. My friends are not musically inclined. Like they like music, but we're not talking about people who are, um, like listening to vinyls at home and and right. laying on the floor. Right. So these are not like that. It's not that crew of, of people. To be to be fair, I that's not, I don't friends. think that's either of us either. <laughs> Yeah, we just, I would love know. to listen to vinyl on the floor. I just I I don't have the ability right now. So like it had like the album cover for Nevermind and Dark Side mm-hmm. of the Moon and stuff that's just like clearly. So I put OK Computer, thinking mm-hmm. that that would be like at least some people would get this. Like I'm not trying to make it so hard that it's not fun to play trivia, but oh for like pretty iconic six cover. Groups, like when we're talking about like 20 people that like n- could not tell me the name and could not tell me it was even Radiohead. Like they just absolutely. So when you it. do that, like, like do you absurd. look up a file that's just the image with the title removed off of it? Or do you like black out the title? So I, um, I removed the title from it. So it was okay. just the image. Gotcha. But like pretty iconic album cover, right? Like Agreed. most yeah. people I would feel like, I mean, Karma Police was a, massive hit when it came out but also i mean maybe not of our generation maybe you had to be closer to the actual release of it you know and be a little bit older at the time for it to be like i don't know for your average music fan i'm saying like for a time they were the biggest band in the world but now i think they're just the most respected band in the world yeah if you have not listened to okay computer yet though like what are you doing yeah you, you got time go put it on what are you like yeah what are you so, doing with your life? That's my little, that's my little, like, oh, I need new friends type. Of <laughs> yeah. Give them the King of Limbs cover next time. See what happens. Yeah, there's no, no way. <laughs> yeah. No way. Uh, all right, man. Any, anything else that you could think of? I appreciate you joining uh, us once again. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we should be wrapping up Bending Not Breaking, the our Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. Uh, yes, final uh, episodes are coming, it. guys. They, it's going to happen. Uh, we'll wrap up season two, and then uh, we'll start planning and recording. Uh, we've already recorded a little bit of season three um, and hope to have that out to you midsummer. but there's a lot of question marks in the air, so we'll just do what we can and do our best. Yeah, absolutely. So, and uh, I don't know when you're hearing this, but again, I'm, I'm trying to keep Flashback Fridays as a thing going. Uh, so we started with the thing last week. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do this week, actually. Maybe you and I can talk about this after we're done recording this episode. But uh, yeah, some classic episodes, classics in quotes there, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but classic episodes from the Arc of E. We're doing those every Friday. And like I said, I'll be back here with Gavin for more 2x2 retro reviews. And I'm trying trying to get some stuff cooking in the background, maybe some solo pods headed your way. But uh, we're we're doing stuff. We're doing what we can, uh, given the current state of the world. So, yeah. Uh, Hope everybody's staying safe out there. Uh, Once again, 
thank you to all of our, our essential personnel, etc. I know things are like starting to ease back into opening right now, so everybody stay safe and smart out there. Uh, and again, thank you to Mr. Sunshine Mayfield for joining us over the phone and uh, and doing social distancing right. There you go. <laughs> Happy to be here, but also there, I guess. Yes, in here in form. spirit, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed talking with you. Uh, talking with you. All right, do, do you want to give us a, a closing track to play everybody out with? We can go, oh brother, if you want to, or if you, if you got something else that jumped to mind. No, let's do. Let's start and end with oh brother. All right. Now the question, though, do we go out on a a banger or do we go out on a quiet note? Let's go out to what we've lost. Let's do that. That that was gonna be my suggestion for a closer. All right. So to close this out, this is oh brother, amazing band from Atlanta, Georgia. Go buy their new record, you and I. This is what we've lost. Until next time, stay safe, stay smart, and stay tuned. Mm-hmm.